Sunflower and Matthias bond over the church mouse Dibbons, and they are teased by Colin Vole, who is the uh, Bank Vole's uh, son. Um, a comp het has, has arrived. The obligatory love plotline is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of here when Matthias was being a little, like, flustered fool, but now it's, like, actually here. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, comp het, comp het, comp het. <laughs> <laughs> there are no gay characters in fiction. <laughs> Depends on Especially your- not in the Redwall books. Yeah, no kidding. Well... I mean, it's all how you read it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, we were just talking about She Who Must Not Be Named. Uh-huh. And uh, how you read those books. Yeah. Yeah, that's I weird. don't know anything about Brian's politics. Read that. I would have to look it up, but... You can look that up and so, that later. Yeah, we, we can do that later. Um, Colin is reprimanded by Brother Alf, who's just like, hey, stop that. Like, Colin Vole's <laughs> like your typical sniveling, like kind of a bully, thinks he's hot shit, and then, like, the minute something dangerous happens, he's like, Meh. me, 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 me. <laughs> Just a little, I think about it. He's a baby. Anyway. Just let the brother out. Just, like, stop that. My- yeah, it's like, here now, you keep a latch on that silly tongue of yours, Colin Vole. Don't you know that someday Matthias will be a Redwall mouse? And don't let me hear you slandering young Cornflower. She's a decent mouse from a good family. Mark my words, Master Vole. I could say a thing or two to your mum and dad. Only last evening I saw you playing Catch the Bulrush with that young Harvest Mouse. What's her name now? Colin Vole blushed until his nose went dry. He flounced off, swishing his tail, muttering about going outside to take the air. <laughs> like... Hello? <laughs> I think this is like one of the few um, like interspecies flirtations we actually hear about like directly. It's like, hello? <laughs> yeah. Um, the abbot calls upon Matthias to take the abbey cart and take the church mouse family home, aided by the bit slow thinking Constance. Um, one, everybody's last name is what animal they are. <laughs> are they Pokemon? I mean... <laughs> and then we get the fucking ableism. Like, I, I, I've I, noticed something, especially from, like, this era of the 70s and the 80s, because, like, I have said before, like, I am a fan of the Dragon Riders of Pern series, and there are other books that I've read from this era, where it's, like, they tried to incorporate people who had, like, if we read them now, like, they would have, like, Down Syndrome or probably, um, you know, like, uh, uh, be autistic, autistic or have ADHD. And like for like they were trying to acknowledge these people. It's just like they didn't they didn't have the technology not the technology, the terminology <laughs> and pretty much like they don't they didn't have the resources we have. They didn't have the wording we have nowadays to be more sensitive. And this is a case of like society moves on. Like I feel like this is probably Brian trying to include a character who was like again like they keep talking about her being dim-witted or slow thinking but the fact in the book she's incredibly competent she's a competent she super is and she's a valued member of the society when they're not like shit talking her behind her back what the hell Um, yeah they send her with them to pull the cart yeah because well she's also like the biggest and strongest one there is like one reason i think like she very much is like the beast of burden for the abbey she's not a record keeper like a female badger usually is she's the muscle they don't ask her to do this they just say hey matthias take constance with you like true you guys could go ask her yeah like she's a person i know that's thinking a little bit too hard about this but also no it's fair that's what that's what we do it's fair and you should say it They should ask her and treat her like a person because Matthias is the one who says, leave it to me, Father Abbott. Old Constance is a bit slow thinking. I'll take complete responsibility. Like, hey, Matthias, step back a minute. What the fuck? Because you're a himbo. Yeah. Sir. (laughs) You have no room to talk. And then we get a little bit about the fact that Matthias's sandals don't fit him again. I think I feel and like they that's continue kind of... to not fit him the entire book. I think I don't remember. I feel like that the sandals comment is kind of like humbling him and bringing him back down from his little like I'll take responsibility, and then like immediately his sandals just kind of trip him up. Yep. So it's kind of like, uh, hello, son. Yes. And then um, 
<laughs> this next bit is very funny. So, well, what a stroke of luck. Fancy Cornflowers family living so close to the church mouse brood. Matthias was only too glad to offer them a lift home. <laughs> would Miss Cornflower like to sit next to him? She most certainly would. <laughs> God. <sighs> it is kind of cute. Like, I know you don't like the compet, but their, their scenes when they are written together are fairly cute. It's just, it's a pity she's never they're actually given any goofy, lines. They're goofy kids. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, they enjoy a, a serene trip back. The trip is so peaceful, in fact, that everyone begins to nod off until the thunder of horse hooves awakens them and Constance just yanks them off the road. Yeah, Constance is like, nope. She makes that split second decision and just yeets everybody off the road. She pulls the cart into a ditch. Mm-hmm. And um, they're all shaken by the sight of the poor panicked horse and the horde of unusually large evil looking rats. Like, I like how um, they emphasize that, like, these rats look more evil than they should. Yep. Um... Also, this horse should be dead. Very much so. Like, horses... Horses are not vehicles. Horses are not cars. Horses can do one of two things. A horse can run really fast for a short distance, or a horse can trot for an entire day. Like a short... Like a steady walk or a trot at the most all day. You don't... Y'all want to know one of the two most common ways a racehorse dies? Its heart explodes. Yeah. There, there is a thing called foundering, where a horse will literally run itself to death. The other way that uh, racehorses die, they break their legs. Yeah, but that's usually <laughs> that's that's usually just a, a freak accident, and you know. But it's just mm, like this horses horse are should be dead. Not, horses are very, very efficient within such a narrow margin. Yeah. It's like a horse, like there's that whole joke online, like horses are like an instance away from, like a second away from death at any time. It's like, well. That's like, it's not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But at the same time, it's like, but humans are the same way. Like any animal has like those specific things that will just kill them on a dime. It's just like. It's just, horses seem to have more because we've bred them really badly. Well, not even that. It's just like a horse is an extremely specialized animal. They are, they, it's, it's just like any other animal in a sim- similar situation or a niche to a horse has similar deficiencies, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to see a, a breed of horse that actually thrives really, really well, it's Perswalski's horses, which are like the last breed of true wild horse. Yeah. Because um, all other, like, if you see like wild horses in the United States or in other places, no, they're actually feral. Yeah, those are all feral stock. <laughs> the fact that they can be domesticated, like, if you catch them you young enough. You can catch and break them. Yeah, you can catch and break them. If you catch them as foals, they can be re-domesticated. Like, what, like you hear people like, the wild mustang deserves to be out of the ranges. Like, the wild mustang is an invasive species and often it destroys the environment that it is, if it is not carefully maintained by the uh, Bureau of Land Management and other resources uh, provided by people who are very passionate volunteers. Um, wild mustangs yep. are uh, wild feral stock, not actual native creatures. Uh, fight me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You should say it. Um, but so horses... Horses can roll over wrong and torsion their insides. Actually, yes and no. What you're talking about is called colic. And colic. No, no, no. Oh. I'm not talking about colic. I'm literally talking they can torsion their intestines. Oh, okay. Yeah, they can roll over wrong and they're in, their organs will torsion. Yeah, horses are just. <laughs> and they, they're, 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 like, good horses that have. The least amount of problems are either Perswalski's horses, which are like literally non-domesticated wild horses. Like you cannot, they are not domesticated. They cannot be broken like regular horses. Well, I mean, if they are wild, if they are bred, like I actually, there's a lady here in town who actually has a couple of Perswalski horses and they are rideable. Does she? Yeah. You can break and domesticate them. It's just most of the time people choose not to because it's easier to domesticate the horses we have. Yeah. Um, well, you can't, domestication is a term used to, like, they over, like, hundreds of yeah. years. 
that's what a regular horse is. Yeah. So you can tame them. Yes. It, it's kind of like how like, you can tame and ride a zebra, but it's not really worth the effort. Yeah. Zebras also work really well. Donkeys are really good. Mules are usually pretty good. And then you've got, like, the horses that typically are less likely to completely destroy themselves by doing something innocuous are going to be your stockier draft breeds yes. because they can actually support their weight on their hooves. <laughs> well, that's because they were bred for a different... They aren't runners. They're, you know, they no. are muscular they animals. They weren't bred for that sleek aesthetic look. Yeah. Yeah. Looks at Arabian horses. Oh, the Arabs. Uh, we had... Okay, Arab. all right. But I actually had an Arab. We, um kept him for an aunt of mine. He was basically retired at our property. We took care of him. This horse lived to be over 30 years old. He would not die. 30 years old? Yes. What the fuck? He was so old that he outlived his teeth. That's the... That's, oh, buddy. That's actually why we had... Did you have to just start feeding him gruel? No, that's actually why we had to put him down. Because, like, you could not... He couldn't eat anymore, so we had to put him down so he wouldn't starve to death. But he refused. Oh, he, he, was, he was just like, I ain't going yet. It's like, you can't eat, please, sir. Your body is telling you, let go. And he's friend, just like, no. <laughs> a friend of mine had a horse um, who had to be put down a couple of years ago. But this horse literally, like, ran into a tree and had, like, what essentially was a branch just stuck in its leg. Oh, baby. Like, in there, and the horse was just like, do-do-do-do-do, and the, like, my friend saw this and was like, are you, when did you get hurt? Yeah. And pulled this hunk of wood out of the horse's leg. The horse was fine. Again, like, horses are. It's so wild, the things that they can survive and the things that they don't. Yeah. Well, like, all right, sorry. The, the whole reason that when a horse breaks a leg, the reason a horse breaking a leg is a death sentence is you cannot teach a horse to not put pressure on that leg. A horse doesn't know that yeah. that bone is more fragile now and the, the bone will most likely re-break. Like, you can't put a horse in a wheelchair. You can't put a horse leg in a cast like that. They're, the way their anatomy they works... They also can't be tripods, exactly. usually. They, it's not like a dog or a cat or other three-legged or four-legged animals that can become tripods because because their balance is so specific on their their fingernails yes they're tiptoeing it's like just tiptoeing on one finger like yes we joke about this but like i do it's like it is actually like a serious like we know why horses cannot survive this when their legs break yeah it's like to to bring Uh, that because we did that to them we did that to them yeah like even like the non-domesticated horses can't usually survive uh, a leg break but like it would have been more likely that they could have well they would have like but, the ones who couldn't survive it would have been bred out of the population eventually kind of thing. yes whereas we've just fucked up horses <laughs> like we got a fucked up animal and we made it more fucked up because that's what people do yep looks at looks at this pugs. is why we have dogs <laughs> just looks, looks at everything going on with pugs Looks at anything to do with brachiocephalic dogs Ugh. and cats. Munchkin cats, which are not brachiocephalic, but you know, yeah. short legs. Yeah, they're poor they suffer legs. from bone problems. We fuck up animals. Don't even get me started on so badly. Like Scottish folds are prone to oh, having babies. Um, arthritis and other stuff. Breed standard Dalmatians are supposed to have white ears, but every single Dalmatian with white ears is death. Yep. Well, if you see a white animal with blue eyes, it is like an 80% chance that animal is deaf. Yep. Or blind. Or blind. Yeah, sometimes both. Or both. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) we've been talking about animals. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is the tangent. This is what you people come to listen to, right? (laughs) Us talk about horses being fucked up. Anyway, um, (laughs) the horde of unusually large and evil looking rats implies that Matthias has seen rats that are not evil looking quote unquote yeah because the way that the book describes these rats is matthias could see rats among the hay but these were no ordinary rats they were huge ragged rodents bigger than any he had ever seen excuse me their heavy tattooed arms waved a variety of weapons pikes knives spears and long rusty cutlasses Standing boldly on the backboard of the hay cart was the biggest, fiercest, most evil-looking rat that had ever slunk out of a nightmare. 
In one claw, he grasped a long pole with a ferret's head spiked to it, while in the other was his thick, enormous tail, which he cracked like a whip. Laughing madly and yelling strange curses, he swayed to and fro skillfully as horse and wagon clattered off down the road into the night. As suddenly as they had come, they were gone. It's a very good scene. Like, it is very well... It, it, it is well written. It has good imagery. Why are rats always evil? <laughs> <laughs> because you need you need your orcs. You need your space... You know, like, evil space You need, race. The, you the, need the, the, the racism. Yeah. You need that one species that you can just point to and go, they're evil, and then not question it. Yep. Because, unlike Animorphs, this series has very little in the shades of gray. <laughs> anyway, Constance takes over, turning them all back towards the Abbey with Matthias slipping into the role of second-in-command. She just fucking takes over. She is just like, yeah, no, go back. We're not staying out yeah. here. It is safer at the Abbey. The Abbey is safer, which is true. Yeah. Not to mention that they were that the the bad guys were headed for Saint Ninians in the first place, even if they didn't realize it. So, yeah. Oh, I just have to Google something real quick. I meant to do this before. Okay. Um. Ah, I was right. Okay, sorry. Okay, we're gonna get to that note in a second. Okay. Um. <laughs> so now we slip back to Clooney and his cronies, which uh, thankfully the poor horse escapes alive because the <sighs> cart crashes against some stone gate posts. Yeah, sure, the horse escapes alive, but it probably went and collapsed down the road a ways away. Yeah, it probably like completely skittered off the road into the ditch and just died there. We'll just we'll just pretend um, since this is a fantasy universe, this is a magical horse that doesn't need to. It, it just went and it laid down, like it found a stream, drank like so much water, laid down, slept, and was fine. And the water was magically the right temperature that it didn't cause it to completely go into fits. Because uh, that yep. can kill a horse too. Yep. Anyway, um, <laughs> Clooney escapes with like nary a scratch and then bullies his men into shape. Um, Kit makes a note about skulls for Skittles and if Brian had to pay royalties for that. So, Kit, Skittles is a game of bowling pins. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, it was played in public houses and clubs, mostly in Western England and the Midlands, Southern Wales, and Southeastern Scotland. Okay. Uh, I believe the Skittles themselves are the pins. Okay. So, Yes. Because they bring up Skittles again yeah. later. So, yeah, it is a game of, of bowling for that, pins. That was mostly um, me being snarky, too. Well, I know, but I just wanted to point it out. Um, I like the art on this chapter with the fur and fang logo. Tip, 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 tip. Oh, my, my version doesn't have the art. I just realized that. My version doesn't have the... No! I've got, I've got, like, the between the book art. Bits, but I don't actually get the chapter art. Twagic. Yeah, I know. Twagic. Yeah. Twagic. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of rats just kind of squished under the cart <laughs> because, you know, it was a big ass cart. There's 500 of them and it just fucking crashed. Yeah. And Clooney's just like, if you can't get up, I have no use for you, you fucking little bitches. Yeah, he's just not having any of it. Like, get up or die. I don't care. Come on, get up out of there, you cringing load of cat's meat, he bellowed. Red tooth, dark claw, report to me or I'll have your skulls for Skittles. Skulls for Skittles. Three-leg and scratch are dead. Dead as dirt. Uh, and Clooney calls them stupid fools. Uh, old Wormtail lost a paw and some of the others are really hurt. And Clooney says, ah, they'll get over it and suffer worse by the time I'm done with them. They're getting too fat and sluggish by the tripes. They'd not last five minutes in a storm at sea. Come on, you dead and alive ragbags. Get up here and gather around. <laughs> so good. Also, there's just this phrase, it's like, right, cock your, lung, uh, you, cock your lugs up and listen to me. And I know that that means to, like, tip your heads up and pay attention, but the phrasing. Phrasing, Brian. Phrasing. Phrasing. Ugh. Anyway, they take over the Church of St. Ninians. Um, 
which is where we find out that that's where the church mice live and they are the same mice and yeah uh gives his men marching orders they have to scout for a better place to stay recruit local vermin by force and scrounge up food this is implying that there are vermin who live in moss flower and most of them are just like living there yeah yeah um and also as like he's like reading off all these like these rats names like nobody has a real name here because we've got uh let's see red tooth dark claw three leg scratch worm tail let's see speaking of he of she, Fangburn, she, she who shall not be named cheese thief frog blood scum nose rag ear mange fur like, we just get all of these rats that have just the worst names. And then there's Clooney? He's just Clooney. Okay, but, like, Ragear has definitely shown up in other books, too. Ragear's apparently, like, a pretty common vermin name. Yeah, there's a few that pop up multiple times. Like, Scratch is a pretty common yeah. one. Um, etc. Yeah, et but still, et like... They just, they don't get real names. No whatsoever Uh, but we find out later like when a vermin from moss flower like is talking he has a regular name his name is kilkenny yeah like i wonder like they wonder what happened like the poor vermin who said no are probably just dead now maybe that's why like later in the series past this book like all the vermin are bad guys because they all get killed off if they don't join whoever decides to go and mess with the abbey Right. So they just like leave like. Well, this it also depends on where they where they're from because if we follow this implication, the ones that lived in Mossflower were fine. Yeah, like they were. They weren't like. They didn't. They didn't come from a criminal background. They didn't lead criminal lives. They didn't come from a place where they felt like they had to. Yeah. Um. They didn't like. They don't serve under Clooney to start with. Like, they live in a place where people have names like John and Matthias and Mortimer and Methuselah. And Kilkarn. Man, did he start with that name? He had to have started with that name. They probably called, oh god, what kind of nickname would you give someone with a name like Methuselah? My brain said Methy and that's not. And I said no. (laughs) Probably like, maybe Thu? Yeah. Anyway. But yes, God. back to the name thing. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> We're going to talk about it probably every single time that we don't like yeah. it. Um, so now we are back in the Abbey. We're in the Great Hall. Uh, Martin and Constance tell the Woodlanders assembled in Redwall what they saw. Um, where we get uh, folks defending rats. Yeah. Let's see. There's like someone who says, like, give a rat a bad name. Yeah. See, they're like nonsense, pure speculation. That's right. Give a rat a bad name, like etc. etc. And they're just like, hey, um, no, yeah, this is really bad. Like Matthias raised a paw and shouted aloud. Constance is right. I could feel it myself. There was one huge rat with a ferret skull on a pole. I got a good look at him. It was like seeing some horrible monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the abbot starts to like question matthias like what did this rat look like and matthias goes through like he only had one eye he had a really long like whip tail etc and abbott is like oh god it's Clooney." yeah like he just knows he's just like oh okay here we go yeah and it's brought up like people were like like Twice in my lifetime I have heard travelers speak of this rat. He bears a name that a fox would be afraid to whisper in the darkness of midnight. Clooney the Scourge. A deathly hush fell upon the creatures in Cavern Hole. Clooney the Scourge? Surely not. He was only some kind of folk legend. A warning used by mothers when youngsters were fractious or disobedient. Go to sleep or Clooney will get you. Eat up your dinner, Clooney will come. Come in this instance or I'll tell Clooney. Most creatures didn't even know what Clooney was. He was just some sort of bogey that lived in bad dreams in the dark corners of imagination. And my thing is, how old is this rat that he has old wives' tales? Or is this a title like the Dread Pirate Roberts? Now, it might be a case of, like, his actions have been notorious enough that they have spread. Because, like, if you think about, like, 
uh, Attila the Hun or like someone like um, uh, Hannibal, who was a literal boogeyman for the Romans, it only took him like one season of beating the absolute crap out of the Romans to become a literal boogeyman to them. So like this guy supposedly has been rampaging up and down the country for presumably a, a few years now. So it doesn't surprise me that his name has spread, but considering the lack of communication, maybe not all of his history has spread. So that's why like they view him as a mythical figure, but not like a real threat. I still like the idea that Clooney the Scourge is a title like the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> but we never get an implication about that. No, we don't, but I think it's a good idea. It would be. And I think it's a missed opportunity. It would be, yes. <laughs> it would be, and it is. Anyway. But, like him uh, talking about, like, well, is... I killed the old Clooney, and that makes me even more fearsome. <laughs> or not even that. Like, it's just passed on, and, like, there's no... Like, you don't notice the change in command. Yeah. But I feel like that wouldn't really... Because that's how the Dread Pirate Roberts works. Yeah, but Dread Pirate Roberts, he does that to avoid conflict, whereas Clooney is like, yes, I would like to give these people a miserable hell. Time to fuck shit up. Anyway, the assembled Woodlanders are obviously amused and dismissive. They mock the idea that it's Clooney. But Constance tells them off for being silly idiots. She just rips Um, into them, and I love it. Like, you get them, girl. Yeah, like, uh, Brother Joseph stood up and cleared his throat. Ahem, er, good father Abbot, we all respect your word and look to you for guidance, but really, I mean... Sister Clement stood up smiling. She spread her paws wide. Perhaps Clooney is coming to get us for staying up late. A roar of laughter greeted the ironic words. Constance's back hairs bristled. She gave an angry growl, followed by a fierce bark. The mice huddled together with fright. Nobody had ever seen a snarling, angry badger at a council meeting before. Before they could recover, Constance was up on her hind legs, having her say, I've never seen such a pack of empty-headed ninnies. You should all be ashamed of yourselves, giggling like silly little otter- Giggling like silly little otter cubs that have caught a beetle. I never thought I'd live to see the elders of Redwall acting in this way. Constance hunched her heavy shoulders and glared about with a ferocity that set them trembling. Now you listen to me. Take heed of what your father Abbott has to say. The next creature who utters one squeak will answer to me. Understand? The badger bowed low in a dignified manner, gesturing with her massive blunt paw. The floor is yours, Father Abbott. It's very good. Like, she fucking is really good. What the fuck, Redwall mice? Yeah, like the Redwall mice are... They're dicks. They're straight up just dicks sometimes. They're, they're, they're terrible. <sighs> so the abbot sends two mice to the gatehouse to relieve the gatekeeper so he can bring the records of travelers. This is where we get Methuselah. I love Methuselah. He's really old. He is. <laughs> he's so old. He's interesting too. Um, like He's such an odd outlier of a character, but I like him. He really is. Um, we also get Matthias having a moment of self-reflection where he's thinking about all of the big things that are happening to him. And I'm just like, you're such a baby, baby. And I'm like, I have a note here where I'm like, he can't be older than 14, but between 14 and 16 is probably right. Like he is a teenager who's just like caught up in shit. Yeah. But he also doesn't know anything except the Abbey. Like, he came to the Abbey as a young orphan. Yeah. So really, he's lived here for probably much longer than he was an orphan. Yeah. Like, this is his home. Um, this is his, his. Yep. you know. He hasn't had any hardship for who knows how long. Yeah. Aside from So he doesn't have to learn flip-flops. those harsh lessons. Yes. Um, old brother Methuselah is introduced. We learn he lives to record history. He is the Abbey's recorder. And he can speak to any creature. And I'm like, okay. So it makes sense that different animals speak different languages, but also... How? This isn't really a thing in the books. Not not anymore, anyway. Or No. 
Like, if it happens in another book, then I am fucking wrong. He's, he's almost we have like, confirmed he's, that I misremember shit like nobody's business. He, he's very much like the old mystic man kind of stereotype. Like, yeah. the old fellow who's seen everything and done everything. And, you know, just like, oh, ho, ho, child, I shall pass upon my knowledge to you. Or I am the cryptic lore keeper and it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. very much so he he misremembers which abbot is currently the abbot he's like he calls uh abbot mortimer lord abbot cedric uh and he's like it is cedric isn't it oh botheration you'll be the new abbot mortimer the one who came after cedric oh dear me i see so many of them come and go you know yeah Mm -hmm. lord abbot mortimer and the members of redwall i refer to a record of winter six years back here the ancient mouse took a while to leaf through the pages I love mm, so Ah, uh, yes, here it is. Late in November, year of the small sweet chestnut from a frozen sparrowhawk come down from the far north. Peculiar chap spoke with a strange accent. I repaired his right wing f- uh, pin feather. News of a mine disaster caused by a large savage sea rat. And he just goes on, like, reading out these accounts of Clooney yes. happening. Like, he's confirming that Clooney exists. Yes. This is also where we get, um, the... <laughs> <laughs> I have no need to read further. I can recite other misdeeds from memory. As the hordes of Clooney the Scourge have moved southwards over the past six years, I have gathered intelligence of other incidents. A farmhouse set alight later that same year, piglets, an entire litter of them eaten alive by rats. Sickness and disease spread through livestock herds by Clooney's army. There was even a report brought to me two years ago by a town dog. An army of rats stampeded a herd of cows through a village causing chaos and much destruction dogs <laughs> is like dog dogs? actual town dog domesticated dog uh pigs cow herding livestock pigs, livestock yeah and like we don't really hear about other towns or villages inhabited except for like well the shrews the shrews usually have villages um it's just though they live on the water well like in in um uh Mossflower, they talk about how they have a village. That's yeah. fair. Um, this is, again, like, I feel like this is just first book weirdness. Where he's just like, he's a dog? Yeah, just a dog. A we'll dog. There. Sure, all right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, Methuselah also, like, chides the other, like, um, Redwall council members for doubting uh, the words of their abbot. He calls them idiotic mice. Yes. Uh, and everybody is just like, oh no, oh no, much wringing of hands. Yeah, like, oh, whoa, we're doomed. The sky is falling. We're doomed. Yeah. And Matthias uh, leaps to the fore to silence their fretting. Uh, it's almost like Matthias is the hero character and was waiting for the plot to come mm-hmm. to him so he could live out his dreams of being a warrior. <laughs> Like, I'm not wrong. Yeah, this kid is just like, it is my time. <laughs> the thing I've been wanting to do that the abbot said I would never have to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, chapter seven. <laughs> <laughs> they will be ready. And the abbot agrees that they will be ready. Like, Matthias just like, we'll do this. We got this, guys. He's like, it's like, what shall we do? Matthias sprang to the middle of the floor, brandishing his staff in a way that surprised even him. Do, he cried. I tell you what we'll do. We'll be ready. Like, oh, buddy. Also, Martin possessing this child. Yeah, Martin just straight up, like, this kid has got to be related to Martin. I don't care. Like, he's an orphan. It's like, I don't care. He's related to Martin somehow. Just like. Listen, that's just a, such a popular trope with, like, Orphan character is actually royal blood. Like, come on. Yeah. And then we get Clooney having a nightmare. Oh, the sequence is so good. And this is such a good sequence. It's very good. It is very good. I don't want to read out the whole thing because it's such a long bit. But basically, Clooney is having a nightmare where he is, like... Shrouded in red mist, he is surrounded by the cries of his victims. He's having a good time he at is, first. He's having a good fucking time. Like, things are dead, uh, he's he's killing things, conquering and laying waste, and then a phantom figure appears. And it's a mouse, dressed in a long hooded robe. 
And Clooney could not figure out, like, he's like, I don't want to even go near, I don't want to meet this mouse. And he doesn't know why. He's just like, I don't want to meet this he's mouse. Scared. Uh, I'm just gonna, like, he, he's, yeah, he's just, like, he ran, like, he just ran like a bat out of hell, and he's, like, surrounded by the scenes of desolation and destruction, and this mouse is just following him. Like, I know, I and, know you think this is Martin showing up from the Dark Forest. I think this is Matthias. Or not Matthias, yeah. Oh, it's... Yeah. What the fuck? Hold on. I think it's, I think it's him predicting... No, there's a, hold on, there's a very loud noise. Oh. Pause for a loud noise, everyone. Oh, it's it's Chevy doing a vacuum. Oh, pfft, I be able to Chevy! <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. My door's closed. Okay. Sorry, I couldn't tell what the noise was because I have headphones That's on. That's okay. Like the past speaking. No, it probably. So it probably is Matthias, but when Clooney looks at the tapestry later on, he thinks it's Mark. But that's often like the common thing of like. The villain's thinking, well, this is clearly the big threat where it's the unassuming hero who ends up being, like, the fulfiller of the prophecies or the dreams. Yes. Yes. So, like, um, that's why I think it's Matthias, because Matthias is the oh, one yeah. who is going to end him, not Martin. But it's also Martin moving through Matthias, yeah. just, like, showing up from the dark fork, is like, hello, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... As, as as Clooney is running, this mouse is getting larger and larger until he basically is just taking up, like, everything. And Clooney gets stuck in some mud. He can't move. And then the enemy is on him. And he's... The, 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 the avenging mouse swung the sword up high. A million lights flashed from its deadly blade as it struck. And then the loud toll of the Joseph Bell woke him up. It's very good. And... Cl- Clooney wonders if it is an omen. What do you think, sir? <laughs> She's like, <sighs> like, buddy. Uh, and then he's interrupted by the two rats he sent out to scavenge for food. Uh, but their offerings are bad. Pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> They're really bad. Um, two, a few dead beetles, two large earthworms, some unidentifiable vegetation, and the pitiful carcass of a long dead sparrow. Yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck? He sends them back out after a painful thrashing, saying he wants tender, young, red meat. And the way that it is said just feels bad. Yeah, it's not great. Like, bah. Not good. Um, I was going to say something like rats don't usually eat meat. Like, rats are, are omnivores. Yeah. They'll eat whatever. I mean, look me in the eye. Like, they shouldn't. Look- they shouldn't eat whatever. You should not feed them whatever. But they will. Like, look me in the <laughs> eye and show me the New York City subway pizza rat and tell me that they were not eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then two more rats arrive with better news. Uh, they got about a hundred recruits press ganged and coerced from the local vermin population. Um, <sighs> which is a bunch of, like... Weasels, stoats, ferrets, some other rats, and Clooney just doesn't even like them. He's like, like, it is said multiple times over that Clooney's army is all rats. Yeah. He does not typically hire other vermin because they're not as good. Um, but he does consider the stereotypes of these creatures scurvy rats, hungry ferrets, sly weasels, bad stoats. Exactly what he needed. The worst. These these people were just vibing. They were just vibing in the forest. And then they could, like, you either come with Clooney or you die. I bet you, like, all the decent vermin who, like, heard the Joseph Bell tolling were like, well, time to get the heck out of Dodge. Yeet. Yeah. Because, like, God knows the Abbey wouldn't take them in, so they might as well get out of there. Yeah, right? Fucking. Yeah, see, here's where that feels bad. There's another moment where that feels bad. It's like, they could have gone to the Abbey. But they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Because the Abbey won't take them in. Because they're racist. Because yep. fuck. <sighs> Jesus. The worst. Uh, anyway. Um, they get read the articles. Um. So, it's the Red Tooth, who is, um, Clooney's second in command. Um, reads in the articles. He says, right eyes front. You're in the service of Clooney the Scourge now, me buckos. Desert and you'll be killed. Retreat and you're under sentence of death. Disobey and you'll die. I'm Red Tooth, Clooney's number one rat. You'll obey the word of your captains. They take orders from me. 
I take orders from Clooney, remember that. Now if any one, two, or a group, or even all of you together want to try and beat Clooney and lead the horde, this is your chance. And without warning, Clooney charged headlong into the new recruits, lashing out wildly with his scourging tail. He bowled them left, right, and center with his massive strength. Baring his teeth and slitting his eye, he whipped fiercely away until they fell back and scattered in disorder, hiding behind gravestones. Clooney threw back his head and roared with laughter. No guts, eh? Ha! That's just as well. I don't want dead ends on my claws before I find a proper battle for you to fight. And make no mistake, when the t right time comes, I'll see you fight, I and die too. Now raise your weapons, and let's see if you know who your master is. A motley collection of evil-looking implements was framed by the cloudless sky as wild cries ran... My mouth is just filled with spit. <laughs> a motley... A motley collection of evil-looking implements was framed by the cloudless sky as wild cries rang out from the newly inducted recruits. Clooney! Clooney! Clooney the Scourge! Like, damn, son. Yeah, good rallying cry. Like, he is a very good... Like, I liked Sarmina, but Clooney really is, like, the superior villain. He has the cleverness to back up the ferocity where Sarmina's cruelty overshadowed her cleverness. Yes. I have a note about that later on, yeah. actually, because that I like. I do. I really like Clooney as as a as he's as a villain. He's enjoyable. He's very. He is enjoyable. very enjoyable. <laughs> um, and now we're back at the Abbey again. Yay! Wee! Constance and the Abbot walk and think together through the grounds of Redwall. Uh, they're looking over what they have and they're assessing how defensible it is. Um. We get a lot of good to, like, the abbey is self-sufficient. It has a pond full of fish. It has its own, like, fields, and it has, like... Orchards and... Orchards and, like, uh... Um, I'd assume it would have vineyards, too. Maybe it's got a strawberry patch. Yeah, they do. They talk about they talk about how they've got, like, some uh, wild uh, grapevines. Yeah, the strawberry patch. Um, they've got berry hedges and stuff like that. They've got flower beds because they all eat flowers. I mean... Because they're... Mice. I mean, there are edible flowers out there. I, even I accidentally grew yes. some. I'm not going to eat them, but I did grow some this year. They're bachelor's buttons. I'm going to send them off to a friend instead. Yeah. Um, nice. And so they're, they're, they're assessing what they've got. They're assessing how defensible the walls are. And Constance is overcome with gloom. And even the soft words of the abbot can't dispel her worry. Like, and I had a note about this because I was thinking about it while I was reading this. I was like, it feels bad that the traditions of the Badgers seems to be lost with Constance. Yeah. Like, the tradition of being a fighty creature is not lost with her, but the tradition of being, like, an archivist is gone. Yeah, like... She... And I'm wondering where that was lost. Probably when Bella kicked it and, like, we haven't read... Well, but that was so long ago. Like, here, let me just pull up the fucking um, Redwall chronological order again, like I did last night. Uh, let's see. Squirrels over here pulling out so. the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. All right. So, Mossflower in the chronological order is the third book. Redwall is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The ninth book in the series. Oh my gosh. Chronologically, oh <laughs> there is a lot of time between the two books. There's one, two, three, there's five books between them because you have the Legend of Luke, the Outcast of Redwall, Mariel of Redwall, the Bellmaker, and Salamander Strong. Okay, but like you've also said, we get a lot of weirdness with the Badgers. Yes. Like, a lot of weirdness yes, happens we with do. the Badgers and their myths and lore. And like, like how you said, like they'll just kind of like spring up out of the earth almost like just fully formed as badgers <laughs> you know they just appear out of fuck yeah. nowhere like badgers they appear out of loam and fire and fury you know just <sighs> the badgers are practically like the mythological figures of this world yep. so it doesn't surprise me yep. like Maybe that's one reason they're always like, oh, poor Bella. She's so slow and confused. It's like she doesn't know any of her race's mythology, it seems like. There's also this weird time jump between Salamandastron and Redwall. Because Salamandastron is where we have Sunflash the Mist. Yeah. Uh, 
No, I'm oh. looking at things. Sorry. No, okay. You just got real quiet. I'm just like, did did they drop? Did you go? No, this is me. I'm looking at the... No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about Salamander Storm, which means I'm misremembering it. Again. Take a shot. Again. <laughs> anyway, I was wrong. This is fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm tired. It's okay. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Matthias eats a hearty breakfast of goat's milk. <laughs> ah! <laughs> There's more to it. I'm just like, I have an all yeah. caps on that. Just goat's Nut milk. Nut apples and a bowl of fresh goat's milk. Where are the goats kept? Where did it come Where from? Where are the goats Why kept? Why is it fresh? Have- where are the goats kept? Oh my god, what the fuck? Anyway, old brother Methuselah sits down next to him to exchange words. And he tells him of how Martin was a young warrior when he came to the abbey. And I sat here like, wait, hold on. That's not the story that the abbot told uh, Matthias earlier in the okay, book. Okay, but I love this because this shows like, Martin drifting into legend. Martin has become a it's... legend. The, his history has been lost. And we see this so often in real life history. Like you look into like Roman history or, you know, like history from other cultures, like Chinese, Japan, uh, you know, like the Americas, like all these histories have these ancient rulers who were like, oh, they are the children of gods. And like some of them we can actually trace back to like, yes, these were real people, but they probably weren't actually, you know, demigods and they probably also didn't do like half the things that people said they did but they probably did something that initiated these legends like most legends Arthurian bullshit bullshit. like most legends have a grain of truth in them and that grain of truth becomes a whole field of various different legends not only that but like becoming a mythological figure Myths often have branches and variants depending on the region or the person telling it. You know, like, if you look at Greek mythology, there's, like, ten different variations of a singular myth depending on where you grew up and who was telling the story. And, you know, which, which like, which god or goddess does this area, you know, prefer, which would influence how they tell the story. Like, there's these great stories about, like, the god of war being sealed in a jar because people were making fun of him for being an idiot. Like, oh, people who wage war are stupid, so he gets sealed in a jar by a couple of giants. You know? <laughs> uh, so, like, the fact that we are getting conflicting stories about, like, what Martin was like when he came to the Abbey, even though, like, we arguably as a reader know what he was like when he, when they founded the Abbey, like, he helped found the Abbey. He didn't come to the Abbey. But again, this is the mythology rearing its head. This is making the Abbey into a place that's even bigger and more grand than it is already. And that Arthurian bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> and so uh, Matthias asks Methuselah why he's telling him about the past. And Methuselah tells him that Matthias is very like Martin. And here is the call. This is literally the call. Um, in the hero's journey. Fucking Martin banging a gong going, bitch, come get my yeah, sword. Yeah, gotta help defend the place. Come on. Step up, kid. Just hits the Joseph bell like, come get my sword, yeah. bitch. <laughs> Ding dong, come get my sword. It takes Matthias the whole book to find this fucking sword. <laughs> gotta keep it interesting, right? <laughs> so the Joseph bell rings out a warning. Uh, basic, uh, telling every, like, and it, everybody scrambles for the gatehouse because a scout rat was there and he was trying to get into the abbey by lying and saying that he was injured. He was limping around pathetically being like, oh, let me in, let me in, please. And he's rebuffed by the two mice standing guard saying somebody can come out and heal you because they're being careful right now because, you know, there was a threat sided. Yeah. And so he retreats, 
shouting threats. And I had a note here that has nothing to do with exactly what's happening. It has more to do with the way that the book is worded when it comes to how it's being told. Um, Redwell feels more like a first-hand account rather than a story being told with the way that things are being presented. Yeah. Mossflower was Bella telling a story to a dibbin. Redwall is the readers following Matthias and Clooney as things happen. Yeah. So it's it's there's there's also that difference in like reading them because like Mossflower, the first part of it is so boring. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one reason I've been enjoying this more so far. Yes. Is that like the action happens much faster but the fucking riddle quest takes longer yeah it's a i think it's a fair (laughs) trade-off because we get more invested into the characters earlier on yeah but then we get stuck with the sparrows (sighs) we'll get to that it's bad anyway this rat retreats uh shouts threats like clune is gonna come fucking get you like motherfuckers fuck you bitch and everybody's like just leave yeah. go away oh, shoot <laughs> so everyone gathers to make plans ambrose uh spike uh is going to go out and round up like local woodlanders uh to come into the abbey for protection uh, matthias suggests sentries are going to be posted on the walls an older nun mouse like he goes to scold him like an older nun mouse goes to scold him the abbot steps up to his defense Uh, This is where we get, like, more of the Abbot is, like, he's smart. He knows what's going on. He's listening to Matthias. Matthias has good ideas. So So we start getting... He still feels pretty privileged, but, like, he's definitely... I start to warm up to him here because he's he's starting to show why he is the Abbot. Like, why he earned this respect instead of just, like, basking in, like, oh, I'm the Abbot. It's like, no, he actually has earned some of this with his knowledge. Still doesn't always feel great, but it's like, all right, he's at least a little justified in some of his, you know, stuff. Yeah. That was articulate. Sorry, Sorry, Chevy messaged me like, when are you going to be done? Um, (laughs) Probably within the next hour. Yeah, because we're over halfway through notes now. Yeah. The the next bit happens very fast. Like, with all of the Redwall books, the beginning starts off really slow. Um, So... The Joseph Bell is rung again, like, after Matthias lays out all of his plans for the defense of Redwall, and this kid is fucking smart. It's, it's like, where, has this He's kid been, like, smart. sneaking into the gatehouse to read the old records, like, hello? Yeah, like, <laughs> war is his special interest. I think I made that note yeah. at some point. Um, just like, the Joseph... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, just, the Joseph Bell is rung again, this time as a call for sanctuary. Basically summoning anybody who wants to come to Redwall to take shelter there. Um, Of course, no rats or weasels or stoats or foxes show up. But a beaver does. A beaver beaver does. does. (laughs) Fucking. Come noon, literally everything has fallen silent. The birds, the insects. John Churchmouse rings the bell once. Alerting everybody because he sees Clooney and his crew coming down the road. Yeah. This uh, this one poor rat is just like, um, let's see, Fangburn looked to his leader for approval. They're ringing the bell again, chief. Ha <laughs> ha, maybe they think it'll frighten us off. And then just, he God. just gets. He's like, just shut the yeah. fuck up. You ruined it. We were going to be a surprise. Yeah. It's your fault that they know we're coming. Yeah. Um, he was gonna use a show of force to, like, cow the woodlanders. And I'm over here, like, Clooney, the most well-dressed villain. Except I almost typoed Clooney as Clunt. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Um, anyway, Matthias challenges the entire army, and Red Tooth answers the challenge, and then Constance answers back. Yeah, Constance is just like, you wanna go? You wanna go, little man? I can take you. <laughs> you wanna go? You wanna fucking this go? This badger is ready to and live Clooney up to her bloodline. Red Tooth is just like, who does she think she is? And Clooney's like, listen, just listen to her. I've got this. Um, 
So they all like they Clooney and Red Tooth take off their armor, put down their weapons. Um, Clooney refuses to speak to anybody but the Abbot, and the Abbot agrees. <sighs> and everybody's like, "This makes me so um, mad." Makes me so mad, like, sir, sir, you are you are in the position of power. You can just close your doors and ignore this idiot. And. And then, no, the abbot is like, we will invite them in and hear what they have to say. And I'm like, you fucking idiots, you don't parlay like that. You're going to get killed. It's just... Um, it's bad. Um, one of Clooney's rats protests this and Clooney, like, scolds again. Like, they can't take him hostage. <laughs> He's like, they can fucking try. They're not gonna. He's <laughs> um, not wrong, but... I love that Martin also calls him out like, hey, hold up. You have to tie your tail up because that's a weapon too. And like, this is yep. like when Clooney first takes notice of, uh, sorry, not Martin, Matthias. And this is when like Clooney first Listen. takes notice of <laughs> Matthias like, oh, hey, this kid's actually got, you know, this kid's actually a little smart. Yep. He just he ties his tail around his middle and says like, you do right to ask this thing, for truly you were looking at Clooney the Scourge. And he, like, takes the poison tip off of his tail and then ties it around himself. Um, once they're inside the walls, Clooney is, like, basically looking at everything. He's seeing how thick the walls are, how tall they are, etc. And there's just a bunch of fucking uh, defenders, like, menacing them with staves. And Matthias is like, leave us. Um... And the mice hesitate, and Clooney's just like, oh, yeah. I got this. He basically goes, oogity boo, oogity boo, and scares them off. Yeah. And Matthias is so fucking frustrated now that Clooney knows that they are completely untrained. Yeah. Uh, Constance, though, is having none of it. She's like, stop that, you fucking yeah, bitch. Yeah, like, excuse you, step off. And he's just cackling. He's just like, he's <laughs> having a fun time. <laughs> uh, Clooney is just absolute as they're going through the abbey and he's seeing all of this stuff he is just daydreaming he's like oh man when this is mine I'm just gonna live off the fat of the land I'm gonna retire I, this is perfect oh man I'm gonna be king um, and Cornflower once they're all seated uh, in like the in cavern hole once they're all seated in Cavern Hole, Cornflower brings refreshments, and Red Fang and Clooney are really gross to just her. Just like oogling her, like, ooh, you know, like, here's a cute little one. We'll have to keep her around, you know, like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Gross. And she's like, oh, this poor child really is just a sexy lamp, isn't she? Lamp. Lamp. <sighs> it's fucking gross. Um, so, Clooney gets, like, Clooney, one, tries some of the honeyed milk, and he's just like, eh. Like, this surprised me, like, the fact that like he does spit it out, like, ew, gross, patooey. It's like, huh? I guess because it's sweet? You good? I guess. Um, it's very peculiar. And the, the abbot asks what he wants at Redwall Abbey, and Clooney is like, I want all of it! I want the whole thing! Give just me! straight up, straight and up, just like, yeah, I don't care what you're gonna say, give it to me, uh... <laughs> Yeah, Martin and, right, and Matthias right away ready to throw down. Yeah, just fucking tries to jump him, denying this demand. Like this, this kid is related to Martin. He has one hundred percent. Um, the abbot begins to explain like how things go here. Um, and I'm over here like this is not how you deal with privileged assholes who want to destroy yeah. everything and give no fucks about you. Don't you. ask politely. So Clo- no. No, you don't. Because Clooney just completely just interrupts him and is like, Red Fang, read the Articles of Surrender. And Red Fang starts going through them. Um, These are the Articles of Surrender to be obeyed by all creatures who come under the claw of Clooney the Scourge or any of his commanders. One, surrender will be total and unconditional. Two, Clooney will execute the leaders of all who choose to oppose him. Three, all property conquered will belong solely to Clooney the Scourge. This includes homes, food, crops, Land, and additionally, all creatures dwelling on said property, they shall be owned by Clooney. Thwack! I know, yeah, Martin just like, or Matthias, I keep saying he Martin. He just tears. Matthias is just like, nah. She is, 
Matthias just tears it apart with his staff. He rips it in half. Um, and Redtooth launches himself at, at Matthias, and then Constance is just like, no. She's just swatting him out of the air. The ground. so satisfying. Bitch slaps him to the ground, and the only reason Red Fang doesn't die, or not Red Fang, Red yeah. Tooth, you put Red I'm Fang sorry. in the document. So, How could you I'm do so this to me? How did you do this? <laughs> uh, the only reason Red Tooth is stays alive is because the abbot is like, Constance, can you please let him up? Yeah. Um, and she just begrudgingly lets that happen. Clooney gives them a day to think about and to think about surrender, and the abbot's just like, no. I can give you my answer now. We are not surrendering the abbey. Uh, you will never set foot in this abbey at all while a woodlander survives to defend it. And Clooney responds with a threat to kill every single person in the abbey. Of, because, of course, yeah. he does. And Constance, uh, Constance, once again... She's just having MVP. none of it. She... Oh, my God. This is when it was then that Constance did something that creatures would speak of in years to come. Exerting the full strength of a badger female, she lifted the massive cavern hold dining table. It was a huge, solid oaken thing that no dozen mice could even move. Dishes clattered and food spilled as Constance heaved the table above her head. Her voice was a roar. Get out, rats. Leave this abbey. I'm weary of your voices. Hurry before I break the laws of hospitality and ask the abbot's pardon later. Go while you still have skulls. With the best grace he could muster, Clooney walked rather quickly up the stairs, followed by Redtooth, who laughed nervously. <laughs> but then, as they're leaving quickly, Clooney gets absolutely enthralled by the tapestry. That has Martin on it. Yeah, like, hello? And he asks, who is that mouse? And Matthias is like, do you mean this mouse? Clooney nodded dumbly. Matthias, with his paw, still with his paw outstretched, declared proudly, this is Martin the warrior. He founded our order. And I'll tell you something else, rat. Martin was the bravest mouse that ever lived. If he were here today, he'd just take up his big sword and send you and all your bullies packing. Those of you he didn't chop up into crow meat. Much to everyone's surprise, Clooney allowed himself to be shown out. He was like one in a daze, all the way back to the gatehouse. Very good. A hush fell over the mice on guard as Clooney and Redtooth were let out on the road. Swiftly, the horde gathered around the warlord and his lieutenant. They awaited orders. Deputizing for Clooney, Redtooth called out, Form up! Back to the church, everyone! Clooney marched automatically, shaking his head in disbelief. Martin the warrior, the mouse who pursued him through his nightmares... What did it mean? It means you should really move along, Mr. Clooney. <laughs> Especially because Constance just completely nails Red Tooth with rotten it's vegetables so and the remains of the surrender <laughs> She, like, calls out and just yeet, and she's just, Don't forget to call again, rat. I'd be delighted to see you. We've got some unfinished business that I'm looking forward to settling. Just you and me, Red Tooth. He's just so pissed. Like, it's like, this is another one of those situations. Like, everyone shit talks this badger, and she's so good. She's not slow. She's not stupid. She is, like, ready to throw down. It's just like, even when they're like, oh, she's just a country bumpkin, it's like, how can you tell she's just a country bumpkin? Like, how oh, can you tell these things? Just by. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Later that night, they spot Ambrose Spike injured outside the walls. Matthias summons a dozen moles for rescue, just in case it's a trap to catch other woodlanders off guard. Thankfully, the soil is soft and free of root and stone, and it makes the rescue a breeze. This little bit is so is. good because it shows how efficient and good at their jobs the moles are. They they figure it out. They like get into the dirt. Like The four moles just like, all right, we've got this. And they just like, get... Ambrose Spike, and they get him out, and literally, like, the formal will not let anybody help. They're like, nah, you'll just get your paws dirty. I know. Come on, we got this. Like, let us do our jobs and stay out of the way. It's really good. Nay, nay. Yeah, you like, nay, nay. You wins only get your paws dirty. It's so good. It's good. And so Ambrose Spike is, uh, he has a, a wound from his ear down to his paw. But he's very quickly cleaned up, tended to. Uh, he 
wakes up and only talks after drinking way too much nut brown yeah. ale. Just <laughs> like so, way too much. Like sure. Like this is the thing of like the jolly alcoholic kind of trope. Or he, like let's be honest, Ambrose Spike is a functioning alcoholic. Because like for yep. the most part during medieval times, a lot of like the ale and the wine was watered down. They used it to make it things safe to drink. Like you didn't really drink plain pure water back then because you know there was a lot of stuff in there like we really take our water filtering systems for granted nowadays so what did they do yes they would make uh beer and ale and wine and then if you mixed it and diluted it with water it would kill the bacteria and the other um crawling things as they put it in old manuscripts and make the water safe to drink and then you so, stay like, hydrated. Most people, like, yeah, like, even the kids would drink ale and wine, but it was usually watered down. Like, it was considered very much like a faux pas to get drunk off this stuff. So, yeah. So, he's so, an alcoholic. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. <laughs> he wakes up. Yes. He wakes up and he says uh, that the Bankville family was taken because Colin Vole started whining and screaming when he came to warn them and they were picked up by a foraging party and they tried to take Ambrose too but he had curled into a ball and so they just kind of stabbed at him a couple times and then left him for yeah, dead. Yeah, like, oh, forget it, whatever. Matthias wants to mount a rescue but Constance, as if reading, excuse me, as if reading his mind is like, no. <laughs> Very gently places him. No. That is a stupid idea. You have to think this through. What good would it do for you or just a small party of us to go against 500 rats? Uh-huh. No, you dumb it's bitch. It's very good. Like, she's just like, no, do not. Bella would be so proud of Constance. No, She's so good. listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Abbey Archives. And if you'd like to read along with us, join our Discord, linked in the description below. You can also follow our parent podcast at Hope's Hearth Pod. Remember to wash your paws like good dibbins and take care of yourselves. Bye!